Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. Uh, Kieran, I've, I've, I've just explained to you, I'm, I'm trying to keep my voice down recording this pod because <laughs> we had some people around for lunch yesterday uh, and it's now tomorrow morning and two of them are still here. Uh, one of them's asleep under the table, basically. <laughs> 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 let's not have too many surprises or if Finley could keep the squeaky toy work down as well that would probably be for the best how are you Kieran? I, I'm very good I mean we're recording this on Sunday morning so I'm already sort of quite quasi Christmas Eve giddy uh, in terms of England playing tonight I, I think I might have to go and take myself off the, the Baroness is getting me fed up and me looking at my watch every five minutes so, <laughs> I, I think this afternoon I'm going to go off to go and watch uh, Lewis ladies play Crystal Palace ladies I think it's uh, I think it's the, the women's FA Cup match yeah. uh, or it's its league cap so I'll, I'll pop down there and sort of not, not irritate the Baroness oh, for, for an hour or two <laughs> well, you could you could take her with you, Kieran. She was so impressed with the the corporate hospitality last time you took her to the dripping pan. How's um? Have you opened your advent calendar this morning? Was there some quinoa behind the door? Ah, uh, no, 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 no. She's 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 got me a a, a, a dark chocolate one, which is my favourite. So I, I, I've got a choice of if it's, if it's not seventy percent cocoa, Kevin. Frankly, I'm just not, I'm just not prepared to go down. Yeah, I'm not prepared to slum it. Yeah, uh, I, I think Uncle Terry said something similar, but it wasn't cocoa. <laughs> Um, <laughs> our first question comes today. It's because it's a questions pod, in case you haven't ascertained it, because I didn't say it. Uh, first question comes from Chris Solman. And Chris says, are there any tangible financial benefits for teams who have a big local derby in the same division, i.e. through having at least one guaranteed sellout at your home stadium per season, increased merchandise sales, etc.? Uh, or being more likely to have those games shown on TV? I suppose the simple answer to that, Kieran, would be yes, surely, wouldn't it? Uh, the, the simple answer is yes, but it can become a little bit more complex than that. Oh. I mean, certainly, you know, Sheffield derby, uh, derby versus Forest. Uh, you know, you know, Palace. You get plenty of London derbies. You've got us playing there as well. Um, it it, do, it does add to um, the opportunity to, to generate money. So, so I think we need to look at, at clubs from their three main revenue sources in terms of match day income. First of all, there's the opportunity to, if, if you've got tiered prices, is, is to charge. This is going to be your, your grade A game, and therefore you can get that, get more tickets sold. In terms of ticket volume, the away end is always going to sell out. You know, it's, it's always the first thing that you look at. Um, so, so you're guaranteed the, the away end to sell out. Um, and also in terms of hospitality, uh, quite often, you know, you've, you've got local fans who who are you know in a position where they can do hospitality, and they say, you know, you know, say we're Palace, we're playing Chelsea, or we're uh, we're, you know, we're we're Sunderland, we're playing Middlesbrough, you know, whatever it's going to be, um, and that you know you're going to get more of a positive reaction. So, so therefore, they can generate more money from that in, in terms of the, the prices that they charge. Um, so, so from a revenue point of view, that's all good. Um, uh, Chris is exactly right. There's, there's, there's a greater chance that the match is going to be picked for, for broadcast purposes. So therefore, you'll get the additional monies there. You then also have to look at it from a cost point of view. And yeah, rightly or wrongly, um, you know, local derbies can get a bit feisty. 
Yeah. Um, and therefore, you've got to say, right, we need to put on extra stewarding costs. Um, we we might have to liaise with the police. There'll be a bigger police presence. So, so your cost base is going to go up um, as well. And then there's the, there's the potential, although I, I I think it is over-egged, that there's the potential for the the overflow if there's any if, if there is any trouble and there's negative publicity on the back of that. Um, so um, yeah, but overall, certainly, uh, you know, lo- local derbies are, are 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 winners for clubs. Um, you know, and, and also if, if if you win that match, you're going to sell more merchandise on, on the back of it because people say, yeah, I, I want, I want, you know, it will sell more programs because I want a, yeah, we, we were talking to Ian uh, on, on last Thursday's show, Friday's mm. show, and, and it's, you want that commemorative opportunity if you can, you know, you know Brighton beating Chelsea 4-1 when, when, Potter had come back. I, I, I don't normally get programs. I wanted that one though. So, so there is the opportunity to, uh, to to make additional revenues from this. I've got about thirty from when we beat you five nil. If you want one of those, <laughs> so this was also. I have to say uh, a big shout out to one of the questions we read out when we had Ian's interview. The program expert uh, was from a Brighton fan, which I pointed out who then tweeted that he'd lured me into reading out that Chelsea, that Brighton had beaten Chelsea and Man United. It's like, he, he didn't lure me. I read it out. It was a question. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's just, you know, we spoke last week, Kieran, because we had a question from a Middlesbrough fan about uh, how regional uh, success is sort of cyclical. And we talked mm. about London derbies and derbies in particular. And it, it seems to me that the Premier League and the Championship, Sky have kind of, Found other reasons to to glorify matches, if you like, and and London derbies for Palace fans don't have the same impact they certainly had in the sort of seventies and eighties. And clubs like Watford, when they're in the Premier League, Sky will go, "Oh, big London derby, Watford." But for Watford fans, it's not. It's Luton yeah. is, is their is their big derby. The same way that you know Oxford hates Swindon and Reading, but Sky would never tell you that. They won't show those games. So it's a, it's it's kind of like the fans have had to keep hold of their own rivalries really because Sky don't kind of understand it anymore because it's the it's the Premier League that's become their big selling point. Anyway, next question comes from Jack Thompson. Uh, Jack says, could a networked group club, City Group for example, purchase a club in Scotland or Wales and use it just to develop players? They've already pushed for B teams and failed in Scotland, so could they sell players to their Scottish Welsh club and inflate FFP standing of the parent club while training promising players in their style in competitive football? Um, well, they, they certainly could do that. And um, I think this is one thing which they might consider in due course. If we take a look at the City Football Group, it now consists of uh, of 12 clubs. Um, it, it would have been 13. But remember, uh, when they tried, tried to acquire uh, Breda in, in the Netherlands, yeah. uh, the fans kicked up yeah, such a fuss yeah, yeah, because... Yeah. Yeah, you know, and and uh, you know, Dutch people, Dutch people like an argument. You know, you, you, every World Cup, isn't it? Every World Cup, <laughs> you, you you get to hear stories about the Dutch dressing room, and and, and it's you know, whereas yeah, we're 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 very you know sort of British and polite. Uh, the, the Dutch Dutch don't Dutch don't take it too personally. They just like arguing with each other uh, and arguing full stop. It's, um, it's a bit of a general, so, bit of a generalisation, Kieran. But yeah, <laughs> well, this, is, this is this is based on World Cup. If, if it happens in the World Cup, it's got to happen in the rest of the world. That's how it works. Fair, well, not when the World Cup's in Qatar, Kieran. We don't. <laughs> oh, true, true. Okay, but, yeah, <laughs> yes. crack on. <laughs> um, 
So this this would be an opportunity, I, I think, for for Manchester City. And, and in, in respect to what Jack was saying, um, uh, uh, in terms of manipulating uh, uh, transfer prices, um, anybody who was watching the uh, the Argentina versus Australia match last night will have seen uh, Aaron Moy uh, play. Uh, yeah, I think he's probably one of the be- the better players for Australia in this tournament. Mm. Uh, I won't I won't mention former uh, Brighton goalkeeper Matty Ryan um, <laughs> with his t- t- legendary Tyrannosaurus. Rex arms, um, but uh, yeah, Aaron Moy was signed by Manchester City from uh, Group Club uh, 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 Sydney, uh, which was uh, Sydney City FC, whatever it was called. Um, that, that's linked to, uh, to 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 Melbourne City, Melbourne. So I'll, I'll upset our Australian listeners there. Um, to, from Melbourne City, effectively on a free transfer, they then they then put him out on loan to to Huddersfield. Um, and they got a loan fee, and then at the end of the season, they sold him to Huddersfield for around about ten million pounds. So, so they made ten million quid out of a deal on a player. You try googling this if you can find a picture of Aaron Moy in a Manchester City football shirt. Because yeah. I've tried and tried and tried. So this is a player who 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 was at Manchester City for so little time. He's not even got the the traditional. You know, pictured at the Etihad, signing up the shirt with with his name on the back or just sort of on the front of the shirt, uh, smiling, smiling away inanely because that's what all photographers appear to do when a player signs. Um, uh, and Manchester City made ten million pounds on the back of this deal, and that contributes towards financial fair play. Um, could it happen in in Scotland, stroke Wales? It could do in theory. Um, I think I think there would be opposition um, locally because Welsh fans and uh, Scottish fans tend to be quite proud. Yeah, they yeah. they are. Uh, they they wouldn't want to be seen to be uh, subservient to an English club, uh, as it were. Um, but from a from a player development point of view, it certainly does have benefits. And uh, you you can see the logic in it, and, and that's what Manchester City are trying to do with with their multi club uh, ownership model. They all of the clubs have the same shirt manufacturer. Many of them are sponsored by the Etihad uh, Etihad Airlines as well. So you've got this globalization of sponsorship deals, um, and in terms of. Uh, culture of training development and so on that is very much set at the top and, and filters through to the individual clubs so it means that should a player move from one club in the city football group to another the acclimatization is is far easier because yeah they know what's expected of them in terms of diet training re- regime and, and uh, player you know, personal development and so on I've, I've just written down I've got Dutch people argumentative Scottish Welsh people proud Let's see how many we can get through <coughs> today's <video. laughs> It's interesting, though, Kieran, as, as Jack alludes um, to in his question, most people assume that the whole reason for a group model is somehow, without any evidence or proof, to get round FFP restrictions, don't they? Yes, yes. Uh, it certainly can help because you can park profits and you can park costs in individual clubs. So you know, let's say that the City Football Group has uh, you know, financial overheads or HR overheads or whatever it's going to be. Um, you know, Manchester City, I think, generates around about 80% of the total revenue of, of the City Football Group. Um, 
but it doesn't necessarily have 80% of the costs incurred centrally to it. Now, I'm not saying that that's wrong because you know, there's a case for saying, well, it should be allocated equally between the clubs uh, on a vaguely theoretical basis. But it, it's, uh, it allows scope for creative accounting. That's not the same as saying that it actually occurs. But uh, uh, you know, as, as somebody that that used to teach creative accounting, that was that was always one of the areas that I would point out to uh, to students. Say, so, well, if you want to, you know, if you want to move money around, um, that's not too much of an issue. You know, we, we we see it. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm not going to go at football clubs here because we we see it on a much broader scale um, in relation to uh, global companies, where you know. What, why is it that, that you know I'm, I pay more tax a year than Facebook? Um, well, yeah. It's because yeah, yeah. you know, and yeah, it's, it's, it's that type of argument. It's because what you do is that you park all of your profits in countries which have low tax regimes, which which encourages a race to the bottom by individual governments because they say, well, you know, we'd rather have twelve percent of Facebook of a lot of Facebook's profits than twenty percent of little. I I didn't know, Kieran, that you're actually allowed to teach creative accountancy i thought it was one of those you know under the counter things that accountants just spoke about in hushed whispers in the tesco car park but it's it's that well yeah i i i i used to teach it as a standalone course Uh, um, for for investment banks and then 2007 came along Ah. Which was on the which on the back of creative accounting and and, and my phone stopped ringing. I don't I've no I've no idea why. Maybe you hadn't plugged it in as it out of battery. <laughs> <laughs> I always felt, um, as you know, Kieran. I don't know if I've ever mentioned this, but I, I the, the six weeks I did spend at university, I was uh, doing archaeology, and possibly one of the reasons I didn't last longer than that was how. I remember saying I always felt very sorry for the T-Rex as a dinosaur. It's very fierce, very fierce. I was going to say proud animal, but that would associate them with the Welsh and the Scottish people. But <laughs> <coughs> very fierce uh, uh, dinosaur, uh, but it, he couldn't reach his own genitals because <laughs> his arms were so short. That's, I, used to, I speculated that that was one of the reasons he was so fierce, but there you are. <coughs> Our next question comes from... Um, Sorry about the, the cough. I haven't had enough orange Lucas this morning. Uh, James Taylor. Uh, James Taylor said EA Sports are ending their deal with FIFA. Will this have any effect on the shirt sponsorship with teams? And also, would clubs receive less money from EA Sports due to the loss of the deal? I think it can actually work in favour of clubs. Oh, um, okay. So, uh, you know, FIFA 23, which I think is the final iteration of the game, yeah. oh, um, yeah. ha- has been very successful and, and it has been a, a, a relationship which has worked for both parties. But by all accounts, FIFA, uh, FIFA were asking EA to pay double the money for the rights to the FIFA name. But in addition to intellectual property deals with FIFA, um, EA also have deals with individual leagues, individual clubs, and players through effectively FIFA, the, the players' union. Um, so therefore, if there's less money going to, to FIFA and they've still got the same marketing budget overall, it could be that yes, if I was an elite club, I'd now turn around and say, look, you know, you've not got, they've not got the FIFA name. It, it wouldn't look too good if you didn't have Manchester United's name in your game. 
just give us a little bit of extra money. So um, I think those clubs which are in a position to to leverage off this will will take that as as, as a positive step. Um, similarly, you know, if I was La Liga, Premier League, Bundesliga, and so on, they say, okay, you no longer lost, you've, you've lost a little bit of a law, and, and I know it's going to be called EA Sports FC, which just, just sounds a bit, yeah. you know, it sort of sounds a bit Sunday League to me. Mm. Um, so. Um, I, I think the the individual leagues and clubs and players could could be beneficiaries from this. FIFA are by all accounts saying that they are going to create their own computer game, or sort of been hinting at it. Um, but uh, I, I don't think they, they. It's 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 a little bit more than me just messing around on a spreadsheet creating a computer game with with the degree of depth that. Uh, uh, EA have done, uh, but uh, ha- having watched uh, all four episodes of FIFA Uncovered over the course of the last couple of days, um, nothing would surprise me when it comes to to FIFA in, in terms of their their self confidence uh, when uh, when promoting the organisation. Uh, that, that's one way of putting it: self confidence. Um, so I was a little <laughs> bit I was a little bit distracted while you were talking there, Kieran, because I was looking at Smudge uh, in the garden. Uh, sitting with her tail in a puddle, trying to work out why she was feeling wet. Uh, <laughs> um, interestingly, Kieran, talking to FIFA, I don't know if you saw Private Eye this weekend. You know, we've been talking for the last year about uh, gambling in football and the money mm. that comes to the game. There's a really interesting article in Private Eye saying how FIFA have barely taken any money. I think they've got one gambling sponsor, and it's like in their third tier of sponsors very low down the the list and not taking much money from them at all. And yet they're going to make record profits out of this World Cup. Um, And it's it's basically, I speculate, that the the UK government should realise that it's possible to make a huge amount of money out of football without the income from gambling. So I think that's something we probably will talk about in more detail on our news pod. Um, Our next question, Kieran, comes from Liam Davis. And Liam is a Brighton fan. We get a lot of those lately. And Liam says, as a Brighton fan, I'm kind of confused. Oh, there's more. There's... <laughs> <laughs> I've just, I just noticed there's more. <laughs> Liam says, as a Brighton fan, I'm kind of confused as to how the club's ticket transferring system works. Mm. Is it purely a money-making scheme by the club or is there a less cynical reason for it? Do other clubs adopt the same system? Surely when Paul Barber and co are seeing thousands of empty seats, that must be an indication that the system isn't working and people are missing out on seeing the team play due to the high costs. And I suspect, Kieran, that fans of just about every other club who have similar schemes will be asking the same question because I don't think anything's caused more controversy at Palace in the last two seasons as the the ticket transfer system and the attempt to make money out of it, which they've now dropped, I have to say, to the club's credit. They've come up with a much, much simpler system of being able to transfer your ticket without taking much money out of your pocket. But it's it's really caused an issue, hasn't it, Kieran? So I, I know it's difficult for you as a Brighton fan. You love your club. But is it cynical or is it just uh, inefficient? Um, is, is it cynical? I, I, I don't think it is cynical um it certainly has, has split the the fan base of course. um and i am very much in the in the nay camp um so so you know I, and i suspect that 
I understand why the club's doing it because are there additional administrative costs involved in yes yes there are how much are those costs I, I, I genuinely don't know but uh, and also compared to other clubs I, I think it probably is cheaper um, right. you know if, if you want if you want to buy a ticket to watch Liverpool at Anfield first of all you've got to be a member of the membership scheme. Yep. Um, and I think that is is certainly more than the I think Brighton charge thirty pounds. Uh, I'll, I'll go into a bit more detail. But in Liverpool, you, I think you pay, it's probably about seventy quid, and for that you get the opportunity to queue for a ticket. Doesn't yeah. you're not even yeah, guaranteed yeah. a single ticket a year. Yeah. So so and, and and yes, you get ten percent off the uh, of off merchandise. But given that the price of a, of a Liverpool shirt is seventy or seventy five pounds, what they've done they just jacked up the prices. So when you get your ten percent off, you're still paying more than we pay. For a Palace shirt or a Brighton shirt, yeah, so yeah, um, yeah I'm, I've got I've got issues. So for people not familiar with the scheme, um, if if I'm a season ticket holder, I'm not allowed to transfer my season ticket to anybody during the course of the season unless I pay an extra twenty pounds. So for the pri- so for the privilege of having a match uh, kickoff time, I mean, you know, I, I, I've put this case before on many occasions. Um, you know, we. Yeah, you know, like many people, we've got family, we've got other commitments. The Baroness is absolutely fantastic in that she she tolerates my football, but she's she, she's not from Brighton. You know, she was born in Edinburgh. She comes along and watches matches with me, and we've got two se- season tickets together because we, we like to sit together. Yeah, you know, you, just like <laughs> yeah, we, you, when you go along, you like to sit with your mates. Yeah, um, so therefore. If she just had a tried to get tickets on a match by match basis, she'd end up in a different stand, and yeah, you know, that that takes away part of the enjoyment of the match. Um, but if, if you know, yeah, if she's got she's got something else lined up, or she wants to go and see our grandchildren, um, we we have to first of all pay twenty pounds extra, and then is that, that allows so is us that, is that per game, Kieran, or, or no, per, that, that's, per season? That's for the season. So right. so it's not it's not excessive. Yeah. it's 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 just slightly annoying, um, and then. It allows us to transfer at her ticket to somebody else, provided they have a effectively a transfer season ticket, and that costs them thirty pounds a season. Now, yeah, if it's one of my neighbours who says, "Yeah, because I say, you know, Baroness doesn't come to the match today," it's not a Brighton fan, but he'll, he'll come along and watch a match. Yeah, if he goes yeah. to the match, he'll you know buy a pie, have a couple of pints, yeah. we'll have a natter, um, and. Yeah, the club makes money, but he says, "Well, I'm not prepared to pay thirty pounds because I'm, I'm not that asked about seeing Brighton." <laughs> and and I, yeah, I, I absolutely understand that. As a result, quite often empty seat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next to me. Now, if if the match is sold out, then then you can put the you can put the tickets up on a ticket exchange. Um, but quite often, you'll, you'll see a match which isn't quite sold out, and there'll be you know a hundred tickets left for the match, but they're all singles. So people, you know, people tend to buy pairs yeah, of tickets when yeah. they go because they go with their friends. So it's it's a mess. The away ticket scheme is an absolute car crash. Right. Um, we've got some dickheads who support Brighton, yeah, because we have young, yeah, and I'm not not. This is not a. Uh, this is not gender based. We have young men who act like idiots, um, yeah, every, and, that, every, and we've noticed that behaviour has has deteriorated every since, club, since uh, COVID. And so yeah, on. yeah, without a doubt. And yeah. I believe we're not unique in that. Yeah. Um, so you have dickheads day out, and what the club has now done is they've said uh, if you transfer a ticket to somebody else. So so let's say that you know I, I get a couple of tickets with with a friend, and then. 
you know, perhaps one of us is ill or one of us got a work commitment or, you know, family member needs assistance with something. If you transfer your ticket to somebody else, you get a 10-match home ban wow. and a loss of loyalty points. Now, crime and punishment, those are not in alignment. So, yeah. so all that's yeah, happening yeah. now is that we've got empty seats at away matches yeah, because yeah. life gets in the way. When you when you order a, when you order an away ticket, you'd order it with the with the view of going to the match. Are some people abusing the system in trying to hoard loyalty points? I, I think a few are, but frankly, yeah, you know, we're now in our sixth season in in the Premier League. Yes, we'll sell out all the tickets to season ticket holders for the London games. But if, it, if it's Wolves away, or if it's, if it's Manchester City, and we, you know, we're going, going to the Etihad, you know you're going to get a shoeing. Um, yeah, it, it tends to be, tends to, tickets tend to go on open sale. But if I then say, well, the tickets are on open sale, oh, look, I can't make it. Or, or you know, recently, we, we, we had Wolves away. Um, there was a train strike. So yeah. I said, oh, I can't go. It's a train strike. Uh, and one of my mates says, well, I'm going up with some mates in the car. I said, oh, any chance of your ticket? I said, well, it's just not worth the aggravation, yeah. Because if I, I'm, I, I don't mind losing a few points, but you know, being being denied access to ten home games, and I'm thinking the club is effectively accusing me of uh, criminalising me as a fan, and I'm going, you know, I'm a I'm a sixty year old teetotal chartered accountant, you know, and and in in your eyes, I'm some sort of uh, Machiavellian figure that's trying to hoard points and give tickets to ne'er do wells, and, and it's not the case. So uh, I, I think I think the scheme's crap. It, it's interesting, Kieran, because you, you say life gets in the way, but what you mean ninety percent of the time is that Sky gets in the way because yeah. you know games are, are at quite short notice. It can only be four weeks' notice that Sky decides to shift a fixture. Uh, in which case, you think how. On earth, can the club have the cheek? I know it's only twenty pound a year, but for other clubs, it's more than that. You shouldn't be charged if you can't go to that game. Mm. Secondly, I mean, I'm intrigued when you say it's it's split the fan base because at Palace, it's split the fan base between people who don't like it and people who hate it. There's there's no one who really understands it, and partly because the biggest uh, criticism you hear is, well, you introduced electronic tickets at very short mm. notice last season without consultation. So it's your point. In the old days, everybody knew you, if you had a ticket, you had an actual ticket. You, If you couldn't go, you gave it to your mate. He went. <clears throat> he gave it back to you the day after the game. Everyone knew yeah. that it went on, but everyone knew that that meant people were at the game. <clears throat> a seat that had already been paid for was being taken. And as you say, your mate would, would buy the beer and pies that you didn't. And it's just now as well, because it's electronic tickets, that's the only reason the club know. It's yeah. people are confused by the fact that the club know that somebody else has got your ticket for an away game, and instead of saying, you know, please don't do that, they ban you for ten home games. It's that's that's not right. That's and, and it it doesn't work in other industries. No, so of course. Um, I've, I've I've got a ticket. I've got two tickets to see the Cure. Yeah. Um, in at London O two uh, on on Monday week. And uh, it's the day before the rail strike, so that so the trains are going to be messy. So you know, it, and now I, I would crawl over broken glass to watch the cure. Oh, sure. So I will get there somehow. But the Baroness says, you know, I just just can't be asked with it. So okay, I, I will be able to find somebody who wants to go to the gig, and that person isn't a criminal. That somebody is just a fan of the cure or fancies going to fancies going to the gig. Well, um, you, you could try offering it to Ali. Because yeah, yeah, all oh, right. Inexplicably, Ali loves the Cure. 
I, I don't. Inic- how, can, how, can, how can anybody inexplicably not love the cure? Well, yeah, because I, I'll, I'll say to you what I say to Ali about the cure and elbow. They have Ooh. two songs, the fast one and the slow one. Pretty That's much. Outrageous. Uh, <laughs> this, this podcast is dead to me from now on. <laughs> of all the things that we've bickered about on and off air, and finally I've pushed you over the edge with the cure. I would I would go with you, uh, Kieran, except I'm going to the theatre that night. I'm going to see Orlando. Uh but otherwise, I would go with you and ruin it for well, you. Well, I, I think I think I've got I think I've got a date with your wife. By the sounds of it. <laughs> well, as long as you put her in a cab afterwards, that's fine. <laughs> Our next question comes from Nick Andrews Govain, um, and I'm. I'm keen to hear your answer on this, Kieran, because I was looking into this recently for a different project. And Nick says, I'm intrigued by the finances surrounding London City Lionesses. Uh, They no longer have a male partner club. They used to be part of Millwall's setup and seem to be posting large amounts of losses in a league that doesn't have much income. What do you make of their figures? Uh, And I think the Lionesses, London City Lionesses, along with Durham and Lewis, are the only three clubs in the top two women's divisions that are not linked to male clubs. I think they're playing down at Dartford now, but it's it's an interesting one because they do seem to be losing a lot of money every week. Yes, um, and I think this was an issue uh, between the Lionesses and and Millwall. Uh, you know, my understanding is uh, there was a bit of a fractious split between the two organisations because... Um, the Lionesses wanted to lose a lot of money and Millwall didn't want them to lose a lot of money. Right. Um, so therefore, they decided to go their separate ways. Um, so so London City Lionesses, you're absolutely right. They're, they're playing at Dartford. They, I think they're the only full-time professional team as far as the championship is concerned. And they're top of the table. So congratulations for that. And, and yeah. That, yeah, you could say that that, that justifies. Um, they say that on, on the back of the, um, of, of the split with... Uh, uh, Millwall, they, they can now go into you know, commercial partners and uh, schools and so on and say, no one hates us. We we do uh, care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and therefore they claim that on the back of that they're getting additional funding and so on. Um, my understanding is that is that they, they appear to be organised and funded by a company called SETL Limited, which has only been set up in, in uh, 2019, uh, which is, seems to be involved in some form of IT system stroke blockchain organization. Um, but, but this company's only been running for, for a few years. Uh, yeah, season ticket at, uh, at Dartford, 75 quid. I think they, they, they're, they're currently advertising matches for a fiver each. So, so go along and watch them because they're, they're doing really well. Uh, yeah, and I'm all for that. Um, but in terms of Nick's question, yeah, it, it's, uh, it, it's, it's a loss-making business. Yeah, you, you, you cannot... You cannot break even if you're uh, if, if you're charging a fiver a match and, and you're getting crowds of you know two to three hundred. It's the, you know, the, the numbers simply simply don't add up. Um, so it is a case of of uh, finding a, a benefactor who's who's going to underwrite those losses, and you know you, you then got to hope that that, that benefactor you know, continues that level of commitment going forwards. Mm. Ali's just wandered into the kitchen. Uh, with her headphones on and a very sad look on her face. I can only assume she's listening to The Cure. Um, is it probably a slow one? <laughs> what is it? Yeah, there's a 70% chance it'll be a slow one about how sad he is. 
I had a thirty percent chance it'd be a fast one about how sad he is and what <laughs> what a terrible what a terrible Thursday night he had. Um, <clears throat> you say, Kieran, that the Lionesses wanted to lose money. Do you mean they were prepared to lose money rather than they wanted to lose money? Yeah, I, I think that the the budget that they put forward uh, was was a loss making budget, and, and Millwall. Uh, Millwall's main team. You know, Millwall lose around about ten million pounds a year, so you know, their owner. Uh, you know, the focus is to try to get Millwall into the playoffs, into the Premier League, um, and I, I think you know the decision was made that we we cannot afford to uh, increase the level of losses, or uh, as far as the the, the Millwall lionesses were concerned, um, and if, if that's the way that you feel, and, and there's the, you know, I think it was clearly some some. Know, level of uh, disagreement between between both parties that it's best to go our separate ways. Now, Zach Dalton has a question about something that's been mentioned a couple of times during the World Cup, every time Spain play, basically. Um, and Zach says, I've noticed that over this past season, Barcelona have put one billion euro release clauses in players' contracts, such as Gavi, Pedri and Ansu Fati. What is the reason for this? Surely no matter how good these players get, it will never make sense for anyone else to spend one billion euros on one player, especially with the football market not having much further to go till it reaches its ceiling. If Barcelona don't plan on ever selling these players, why not just refuse to sell them at any price and leave out an official buyout clause? Is there a financial reason for this I'm missing? Now, I know we discussed uh, the, the, the concept of release clauses uh, recently, but the fact that Barcelona have set theirs so high is a, a, a cause of controversy, isn't it? Um, yeah, I, I don't think there's a financial justification for it. Oh, right. This is public. This is public relations. Oh, this, really this, right. this is Barcelona saying, "Yeah, we've we've lost Messi. We've had a bit of uh, we've had a bit of kerfuffle in terms of our finances." <laughs> um, but, 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 but we've found these really good players like you know, Gavi Pedri and, and Fatty, and uh, they are so good. We we, we ain't we ain't going to give we ain't, we're not going to give them away for peanuts. Uh, we, we've set a, a, a release clause of, of one billion. Now, a, a release clause of one billion. What that means is that the player is allowed to talk to another club. Yeah. There is nothing to stop another club coming in for one of those players and say uh, we'll, we'll bid. You know, 150 million for one of them, and Barcelona says, "Yeah, okay." Under those circumstances, although we we, <coughs> we have considered it, and we will now allow you to speak to the player, so it, it's it's there to to make uh, you know to, to make Barcelona fans feel that they're in their big boy pants, um, and and <laughs> they're supporting a, a club that you know will, will will not have to accept anything below uh, a billion pounds. Uh, sorry, a billion euro. I, I think Barcelona did feel slightly aggrieved in relation to Neymar because when they had Neymar's release clause, which was I think two hundred and twenty million euro, they thought, well, we set it so high, you know, it, it was effectively double the, yeah. the the price of any player at the time. Uh, no, nobody will pay it. And then uh, PSG um, went down the the back of their Qatari shaped sofa um, <laughs> and, and and found 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 the small change uh, as far as they were concerned. Um, so I think the club is tr- it's sort of trying to protect itself, but this is far more to say we've got three one billion euro players. Look at us; we're, we're now back as as a as a major team um, in, uh, in in the Europa League, I believe. <laughs> well, it's, it's Schadenfreude doesn't suit you, Kieran. 
really. <laughs> Although that, if Robert Smith of The Cure was a Barcelona fan, that would be his next sad song. Um, I'm a better singer than he is. Amazing. Um, It's, I mean, the the one billion euro price tag is obviously it's only one club they're trying to deter. It's PSG essentially, isn't it? Yeah. But if it is a PR exercise, that could backfire on them because if it turns out that in a season's time or two seasons' time, PSG say, okay, we'll pay you two hundred million for Ansu Fati and Barcelona say yes. Then their fans are going to say, "Hang on a second! You 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 said he's worth a billion. Why are we caving in to PSG when you know technically we are the biggest club in Europe and the world, as they think of themselves?" You, you, you're absolutely right. But in in the world of the Barcelona boardroom, where presidents are elected by members, ah yes, okay. all that you're concerned about is the next public relations exercise, the next manifesto, uh, ludicrous claim, and you know Barcelona's. President's manifestos are the reason why they, they've gotten into this mess where they're in at present. That's interesting. Um, our penultimate question, Kieran, comes from Lewis Sullivan. And Lewis says that you said, Kieran, a few weeks ago, that Man City pay their player bonuses in club incentives rather than individual bonuses. As a frustrated Southampton fan, I'd like to know if clubs in the mid to lower end of the table play their players' bonuses for finishing higher in the table as a club itself gets extra money for finishing higher. In the main, this this is absolutely the case. Um, especially, remember, we, we've now moved to the the five substitute model in the Premier League. So you are you might be a seventy minute player, um, but you are still a, an integral part of of the squad. Um, so uh, as far you know from a, from a club's point of view, I think we're now talking around about two point four million pounds per place. Uh, in terms of where you finish in the Premier League, and uh, every I think practically every contract uh, for for the for mid to lower places is, is is graded in that way, and there are there are huge differences between eighteenth and seventeenth uh, because yeah, avoiding relegation clauses are are quite significant. And remember, uh, I know we've spoken about this. Before. Remember when Tony Pulis came into Palace? Was he was he he was on two point five million? Yeah, yeah. If uh, if if Palace avoided relegation, um, that is by by far the biggest uh, element of a of a bonus scheme as as far as the the smaller clubs are concerned. Okay. Um, Nick Phillips has our last question, and Nick says, with American college football generating huge revenue, crowds, and interest. Could this type of system work with the academy teams of the UK as the youth leagues here do not nearly generate the buzz that similar systems generate in the United States? I think this is a very interesting question, Kieran, because certainly in terms of American football, the college game is absolutely huge. But is that just a reflection on the fact that the country is absolutely huge and most people can't afford or haven't got an NFL team near them? I think that's certainly uh, you're absolutely right. It's, it's certainly a contributory factor. And, and remember, in the NFL, um, there's only uh, there's only 18 games a season. Yeah, uh, you know, it, yeah. it's uh, but it's uh, it, whereas we might have four or five 3 p.m. matches, um, you know, taking place simultaneously. American football and, and American sports in general try to to split things up as as, as much as they can to maximize TV revenues. Um, I, I went to uh, Stanford uh, in, in California uh, a few years ago to give a talk, and um, they said, you know, would, would you like to see our sports facilities? And, you know, I'm, I'm, 
Liverpool Liverpool University sports facilities. They're great. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm, they're fantastic. And then I saw this, and I thought, Jesus Christ! Yeah, yeah we're, we're talking about a, yeah. you know, a forty thousand capacity stadium. Yeah, um, and and the culture of uh, of US sports at college is very different uh, to to what we have here in, in the UK because um, you know we do not. Uh, we we do not give places to graduates on the basis of how good they are at football or table tennis or yeah, swimming. Yeah. You know, um, it, it is it is done on on academic uh, ability. Whereas in the states, you know, the sports scholarship. If if you are a promising player, you will be you will be uh, picked up by a college um, and uh, you know offered sorry by a university there and, and effectively offered uh, an education where. Yeah, sort of, you know, attending classes. I'm not saying it's it's optional, but it's you know, the your your university coach is the most important person uh, in in your university existence. So so it is it is very different. Um, remember that college sports are much are part of a much broader entity in the sense that in in US sports franchises you've got the draft system as well. So we have football academies here here in yeah. the UK. Um, in the US, the football academy is replaced by the college sports system, and when you read about these, you know that the, the the universities make an absolute fortune from this because they've got forty thousand people turning up. You've got everybody wearing the the, the university colours. Uh, you've got big TV deals. The players are unpaid. The players are effectively amateurs. Yeah. So it's I know that yeah you know, many of them are getting their their education paid for which which in the states is, is very very expensive but you know if, if you're at the age of nineteen and uh, you know, you know uh, NFL style sports are are pretty physical you, know, you could you could be ruined for life you know it's, it's uh, there's we've we've seen issues in terms of uh, heading the ball yeah we've seen recently that they. The Scottish FA have said the day before and the day after a match you shouldn't have any heading practice um, because of the yeah. the impact upon people's brains um, of heading the ball. Well, you put that into an American sport, which which involves running head headlong into each other, and, and you, you can see the potential implications there. So you could you could end up with you know, severe uh, injuries at, at, at an early age, and, and then then you're wrecked for life, and and, and you've been un, unpaid for this. <clears throat> One of my younger cousins, hello Charlie. Um, was offered a swimming scholarship by an American university. Oh wow! Uh, he's now in the third year. So and they've located him here, scouted him here, and offered him. And yeah. So he's getting a fantastic education. Um, and I'm sure Charlie won't mind me saying that he he went out as a boy, and he's come back several times as a man. But it's 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 fantastic. But the way he describes the facilities there is basically you've got Olympic style facilities mm. at this college. And I, I think you touched on one of the reasons why college football is so popular and gets such huge crowds. It's partly because that's where the NFL it's virtually the only place in the NFL get their players from. So basically, what you're doing is is watching next year's or two years times huge NFL stars. Um, you know, in the in the last year of their college career, which in a, in the same way here, when you go and see Palace youngsters, whether it's the twenty one year olds or the eighteen year olds or the sixteen year olds, you love watching them. But there's no guarantee that any of them will ever play for Palace at a senior level. So there, there isn't mm. that same investment that you are going to get. I think with with uh, plus, of course, Americans. You know, it's it's a huge country. They're very. Uh, I, I don't want to use the word proud because we've already said that about the Scots and the Welsh, but. 
they you know they they are very proud of their locality, their town, and their city as well. So, the, and the college is is the sort of substitute proper NFL team, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I really halfway through that sentence, I realised I didn't have a way of ending it, so I, was, <laughs> I just I just carried on in the hope there might be a punch. That's why I'm not asked to do improv. Um, just in case you missed this news on Thursday's pod, uh, I'm afraid that our next live show at Plymouth Argyle's Home Park on Tuesday the 13th of December has had to be moved uh, to early next year. We'll let you know the new date as soon as it's been, as it's been agreed, but it looks like it's going to be the third week of March. We will confirm that as soon as we can. We hope everyone who's bought a ticket can make it, but if you can't, don't forget the club has confirmed you will be able to get a full refund. And the first ever Price of Football replica shirt is available to pre-order from 10 o'clock, drumroll, today, Monday, December the 5th. We'll only make as many shirts as we get ordered, so make sure you pre-order yours today. The shirts are available in adults and kids' sizes, and all the profit we'll make will go to Gamble Aware, so it's a good cause too. Find the link to our online store, the Price of Football Twitter feed, or on priceoffootball.com. And for those of you who want to know why we are so keen to help Gamble Aware, I can't recommend the latest offering by Cassette Boy enough. It's a brilliant one-minute video about the government and sports relationship with gambling. Uh, you can find that on, I think it's just at Cassette Boy. Uh, it's very, very good and will explain a lot of things that take Kieran and I a whole year to explain in a minute. Thank you to everyone who's donated to the pod via our Patreon page, which includes Stephen Fitzjohn, Roger Baldry, Carolyn Hupton, Simon Lester, Tom Russell, Dominic Kammerman, Jacinta Hindley, Chris Hartley, Michael Madden-Slater and David Lee. If you'd like to join them and kindly make a small monthly contribution to our pod, then please go to patreon.com slash priceoffootball. And if you have a question you'd like answered on the show, email us at questions at priceoffootball.com. We will be back on Thursday for our usual news roundup and in the meantime I shall hand you over to Mr Kieran Maguire for his customary farewell well thanks for everybody at uh, Patreon uh, for, for donating to the show it's, it, it's, uh, it's very very kind of you uh, and you can do that for as little as a pound a month as well uh, but if you, if you want to support the show in another way um, you, you can help us in the charts you can help us through the world of algorithms <laughs> and you do that by going onto your podcast app uh, and giving us a review and, and you don't, I don't think you even have to write anything you can just give us a, uh, you give us a number of stars because it is the number of stars that matter you know, yeah, five stars it always helps uh, but uh, in terms of the narrative write whatever you want you could even say you would rather have the show presented by Rigobert Song and Pete Tong and it wouldn't bother us <laughs> I don't know why I laugh so much when you say the word algorithm Kira you, 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 I think it's because you sound like a 1970s BBC science reporter um, one day we'll all live in a world of algorithms We'll have jet food. I used to love Tomorrow's World. That was a great program, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> One day we'll live in a world where the cure have a happy song that we can all listen to. Bye, everybody. Oh. <laughs> Bye. Bye, son, for the